0: Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest on this episode of the podcast is Lisa Bilyeu. I'm so happy She is joining me. Lisa is the co-founder and president of Impact Theory, which is a digital media production company focused on creating empowering content. And that, listeners, is how I first came to learn about Lisa. I watched the video of an interview she had done with my friend, the makeup artist and entrepreneur Mali Roncal, who has been on this podcast a couple of times. And I really liked the tone of her content. I really liked the tone of her interviews, which uh, sort of put it in a nutshell. I guess they're designed to wake up, confront, empower and motivate those who watch it. It's a really supportive space as well, but it's very much about tapping into the best version of yourself, which I really appreciate when I've now since sort of devoured all of her videos. Then I started to learn more about Lisa because I was really interested about what motivated her to create this kind of content and where this energy, if you ever watch anything that she does and you'll hear it in this episode, this woman is bursting with energy. And it found out that she had been a supportive housewife who agreed to help her husband out with a protein bar business from their living room. So that was how it all started. She was a stay-at-home housewife, and she said, yeah, sure, I'll help you out. And that protein bar business went on to become Quest, or it was Quest, was sold for a billion dollars, and she was a key, key player in the business, growing by a whopping 57,000% in a few short years. So her story just was really fascinating to me because the plan was never to be some incredible entrepreneur with those kind of numbers next to her name. And what I learned was that Lisa had expectations and a perception of what her world should look like. She had been told from an early age how her life would turn out, how it would include finding a husband, getting married and having babies. And yet there was a drive inside Lisa that was urging her to see beyond this and do more. And as you'll hear in the episode, that's not to say there's anything wrong with that. It's just that there was something driving her to do something else. And of course, she went on and did it and now hosts Women of Impact, where she hosts conversations designed to empower women to be the best version of themselves, whatever that might look like for them. It's about owning who you want to be and going after it. So as you can imagine, I was delighted when she agreed to be on the show because her story is so interesting and inspiring. And she has made it her mission to share how she shed her limiting beliefs and embraced a radical confidence to empower others. In this conversation, Lisa and I discuss why it's so easy to find yourself in the purgatory of the mundane and she explains exactly what that is and when she does you'll go oh yeah (laughs) why it's her mission to push people to know what their dreams are and be confident to go and pursue them her message of radical confidence why if you have a goal you have to have the energy and mindset as if it's day one every single day how in her youth she had wanted to fit in so badly that she ended up minimizing herself and changing herself, and how she came to be able to shift into her gear where she was unapologetically herself. We talk about taking ownership of your mistakes and committing to learning from them and why that's so important. If you try and minimize your mistakes or brush them off, that's not going to help you. Why the ego is only ever trying to protect you, but sometimes doesn't help you at all. How we can all fall into the trap of rejecting ourselves, and honestly, so much more. You will hear she's an incredible speaker, and she shares some really wonderful wisdom in this episode, so I'm so glad that she was able to to come on the show. The links to Lisa and everything that we discuss will be in the show notes, of course, where else would they be? Which, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. But please do join me in welcoming what I hope is her first and not her last visit to the Emma Gunn Show. It's Lisa Billu. Well, isn't this exciting? Lisa Bilyeu, welcome to the Emma Gunn Show. How are you? Oh my God. What up, homie? I'm so excited. Do you know A fellow like Brit in the house. A fellow <laughs> like Brit in the house. We've just been talking, <laughs> listeners, about London and the, the underground. So you can tell, A, somebody hasn't been in London for a while and, two, someone hasn't used the tube for a while. <laughs> so true. Nostalgic. So there are so many different ways that I could describe you. It's like an entrepreneur, tour de force, but actually when I... and formidable, Formidable, but I I actually think there's some. I really admire your curiosity. It seems to me as though you you did a brilliant TED talk about perspective, and oh, about thanks. I guess uh, almost like our factory settings of what we sort of told that the world is going to be like, and that there was something within you that said actually. The world doesn't have to live within this framework. There's something within me that wants to define my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And you have gone out and achieved many, many things. And now with the work that you're doing now, you are using that curiosity, not only for your own gain, but to help as many other people who have that burning desire to do more, be better, live their authentic self, if you like. And so you're just putting out as many conversations Mm -hmm. and as much content as you can to, to
1: help people lean into that. Thank you. I um, That's. I love hearing your other people's perspectives. And you know, some people pick up on certain things, something, you know, people are drawn to certain things and others. So I'm always curious, actually, right? Like you use that word, I'm actually super curious to know what is it that resonates with you? Because, you know, I think every individual is different. And that's that's really kind of, for me, something that I'm almost seeing. There's a lot that's in my heart, like a lot that weighs on my heart. And so I try to talk about everything and almost see what sticks because that's my goal is to create impact. And so I don't live in a world where I want to impact just one or two people. Like I've just owned that. That's a reason why me and my husband decided to not have children we're like no we want to dedicate our lives to really making global impact and that does mean millions and millions and millions of people and so how do I do that um you know and so being curious and you know all of that sort of thing um and I don't did I answer a question I was like was there a question there I could keep talking
0: as you know <laughs> Well, do you know what I'm thinking? Okay, what does that vision board look like? Where you sit down with your husband and you say, right, we want to impact as many people as possible. Those are big dreams, but you have this ability to have a dream and make it real. And I wonder, taking it back to that TED Talk, and obviously listeners, I will put the link to the TED Talk in the show notes, but I wonder whether achieving, realizing that you could do that, realizing you had agency and realizing you could set your sight on something and achieve
1: it, was that as much of a surprise to you? And Absolutely, yeah. I I mean, I spent eight years as a stay-at-home wife before we started to quest. So, you know, brought up Greek Orthodox, North London, everybody I knew. It was like, oh, you find a guy, you get married and you have children. That is it. Even my grandmother, and, you know, when I was younger, she would say to me in a very thick Greek accent, like, oh, your life is written for you. Don't worry. you find a nice man and he going to marry. And he goes support you you and and it's like when you're seven and eight and you're being told that your life is written for you you really do like start to believe it. even when you have dreams and so when I look back of how on earth did I spend eight years as a stay-at-home supportive wife when I actually didn't enjoy it it wasn't like that was a dream it wasn't like I'd ever wanted that but how did I stay there for eight years and that has really hit me. And when I look back now, it's like, I didn't ask myself the questions. I didn't give, I didn't have the confidence to stare at myself and say, are you happy? And when I say confidence, it does take confidence because if it's, if the answer's no, let's say you ask yourself, am I happy in this relationship? And the answer is no. And you try and make it work. And it doesn't. Now you have to think about if you're married, if you have kids, you have to think about divorce, you have to think about, you know, um, split parenting. I mean, there's so many things that you have to think of. So a lot of us stay in the place, which I call the um, purgatory of the mundane, where your life is just mundane enough. You haven't hit rock bottom. So you're not um, pushed to do something different. So that's where I was, I was very comfortable with a loving husband as a stay at home wife. And I thought, how can I ask more? There are people dying, there are people with cancer, there are people that are struggling. And so who am I to have the audacity to speak up and say, I'm not living my dream. And I did that for eight years. So when you look at me now, and you say, how do I, you know, have like these dreams and go after it very succinctly, very, you know, driven with a very clear goal, it is because I spent the eight years not doing that and i vowed to myself i made a promise to myself lisa you're never going to go back there again and the the amazing thing is it was a choice I didn't realize it was a choice, but it was a choice. So for eight years, I chose to stay home for eight years. I chose to be unhappy for eight years. I chose not to speak up and say, Hey, this isn't a life I actually dreamt of. And I refuse to do that now. So every time I have a dream of how do we affect, you know, millions of people, um, with impact of the mind, it's like, okay, we'll get very succinct. What does that mean? Who are you trying to impact for me? It's young girls. It's 14. It's around the age 10 to 14, where to me it's, that's where my unhealthy mindset was developed. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. Um, Who are you to think that you can have anything apart from being a wife? All these internal dialogues usually happen that they call it the age of imprint. So that's usually from around 10 to 15. So I think to myself, okay, if I can affect a girl at the age of imprint, now maybe I've been able to help her not have to spend the next 20 years unwiring their mindset like i've had to do so when i wake up every day and i'm I'm like what is that mission what am i driven towards it is that very specific 14 year old girl that feels badly about herself there's nothing that can get in my way no wishy-washiness nothing that can hit me or come at me that can derail me because every time something tries to i just go what's my north star oh impacting that 14 year old on a global scale And to me, how do you do that? It's through content, it's through entertainment. The 14 year old is gonna be watching TV. The 14 year old is gonna be listening to music. So how do I personally affect pop culture? And that's where my husband and I sat down and said, all right, let's build a studio once we build a studio, let's start doing content ourselves to affect the older generation, you know, the 20 year olds and older. And then as we do that on the side, we'll be building enough of a foundation of expertise in the creative space to then go out and start making TV shows and things like that. So we've got comic books that we've written. I'm in the middle of doing a female superhero story. Um, So that is somewhat of a, how I take these crazy audacious ideas and just bring them down, bring them down, refine it. What does it actually mean? What does it actually mean? People say I want to impact, but they don't actually understand like who are you impacting? How are you going to judge yourself? Like, how do you know if you succeeded or not? To me, it is metrics. It is how many people have we affected? And that to me is is the thing that gets me up every day, either I've done it or not. It's binary. It's, did you do it? Yes or no. And now no one else can, you know, come at me, like I said, with you're doing this wrong or an insult or you're crazy. It's like, okay, I I know my North star, wake up every day, work towards my goal.
0: It's really interesting because you're talking about quite a granular goal. Like you really, really whittled it down. You have that 14 year old girl in mind. And yet what's, what's interesting about that is that, but there is so much reach, that in speaking to that person, you're actually
1: speaking to so many people. 1000%. And it's the same mentality that we had when we started Quest. So before we started Quest, a lot of um, protein bars out there were either full of sugar and had some you know, protein bars, with protein sprinkled in it, or it was, you know, absolutely tasted like cardboard. So nobody ate it. So why were people still getting more and more obese? It's because the people are trying to change behavior. When we talk about health, we're telling people, no, 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 just to lose weight, to get health, eat chicken breast and broccoli and go to the gym and work out six to seven days a week. Well, Jesus, who's going to do that, right? Unless you're so committed and dedicated, that's not how human behavior works. So what that was what people were trying to do when it came to the health industry, people trying to change human behavior. And so what we said is, look, instead of trying to change it, leverage it. Like, so what do we know about humans? We love to eat. What else do we know about humans? We love to eat sweet food. So now it's like, okay, make something that's super sweet and happens to be good for you. Now you're not trying to persuade anyone. Mm -hmm. Like literally anyone that just loves, has a sweet tooth eats and is like, wow, this is really tasty. Oh, it's good for me. Well, that's even better. So that's how we grew Quest at 57,000%. We went from zero to a billion dollar company within five years. So when I look back on what, so when we started Impact Theory and we said, okay, what is this version of the mind? The content that I do, even these conversations, right? It's not for your everyday person. It's for someone that wants to better their life. It's for somebody that has already made up their mind. Hey, I really want to fix my mindset. So I'm going to listen to the Emma Gunn show, right? They've already decided. But what about the people don't. What about the people who don't even realize they've got a fixed mindset? How do you affect those people? Okay, leverage their behavior. Don't try and change it. Don't try and tell them to listen to our interviews. They're not going to do it. But also, what do I know about humans? They watch videos. They listen to music. I don't have to persuade them. I don't have to convince them. But you get something like... you you know, a um, Lady Gaga song, I was born this way, or freaking a Destiny's Child song, I'm a survivor. Let me freaking tell you when talk so about empowerment, you sing that song, you have the lyrics, it impacts the way I feel about myself. So that's what I want to do. That's where it's like getting so granular and understanding what is the mission? What is the goal? How do you do that? And being very real with yourself. So I know I'm not even halfway there. Like I haven't have affected hundreds of millions of people yet. And that drives me every single day. Wow. I mean,
0: I can tell that, I mean, you're, there's so much energy that um, you have to know where to, to point that energy. Otherwise it's just going to sort of, I don't know,
1: burn off. Yeah. And then also you try and convince yourself that you've done it. You're like, Oh, I've made it. I've, you know, I'm there. It's like, no, no. That's why I have such binary numbers. It's like, if I haven't affected a hundred million women, I'm not, I'm not done like period. And so I can track that. I can see how many people watch my videos, how many people download my podcast. I can listen, you know, and this is adult women I'm talking about, you know. And then when I go to the 14 year old, how many people have bought my comic book? How many people have read my comic book? Has it been turned into an animation series? If it has, how many people have watched that animation series? So I just go, it's binary. Have I impacted hundred million women? Yes or no. And if I haven't, I'm going to keep waking up with the energy of day one. And that's what people don't do. Have the energy and mindset as if it's day one, every single day. I love that. Have the energy and mindset as if it's day one, every single day.
0: Yeah. Rather, yeah. Okay. I like that very much. Let's talk about the 14-year-old girl who's you because again another thing that really struck me about some of the uh, posts that you've done on Instagram for example you've been really candid about the fact that for a long time you tried to fit in and I guess another part of your journey is in trying to fit in you were actually whittling yourself down into something that wasn't or someone who wasn't necessarily you and it has been a process for you to lean in to who you are, even so far as wearing the watches that you like because you love big watches or wearing the hair. (laughs) Yeah, girl. Yeah, don't think I didn't notice. Or wearing your (laughs) hair the way that you love to wear or working out in the way that you want to. Whereas for a long time, you wanted to be, and I relate, sister, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, tall, Mm -hmm. beautiful girl with the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful boyfriend in school. (laughs) yeah how do you reconcile that person now with who you are? How did, how did you begin to really lean in, stop, stop editing yourself, stop changing yourself to fit in and started inhabiting the space that you were meant to?
1: Oh yeah, that's a very long journey. And I think it really takes looking at yourself and saying, where are you insecure? Like putting your ego aside and saying, who do I want to be? Like what type of woman and human do I want to be on a daily basis? Because, Why aren't I that person? Like in my forties, how am I not that person? Right. And so you just go, oh, it's the ego. The ego tries to keep you safe. The ego tries to protect you. And when you're bullied as a kid for your looks and the way, you know, you, you turn up every day and the crazy thoughts you have. Um, it's the, the natural sense of yourself has been pushed down and your ego has now taken over, right? It's in the driver's seat. And it's like, no, 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 Lisa, you want to be light. No, 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 Lisa, you don't want to be judged. And I just spent so many years there and the anxiety and the crippling mindset that it um ev- Evolved inside me was just extremely unhealthy, and so even going to Quest, I didn't believe that I was worthy. I was like so scrappy; I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't. What, what the hell did I know about a protein bar, right? And so my husband's like, "Oh, babe, just help out," and but we didn't expect to grow at fifty seven thousand percent. So the helping out meant I was shipping bars from my living room. Free- And then before I knew it within two years, you know, we were shipping out $80 million worth of inventory. I had 40 employees underneath me, I had my own 10,000 square foot um, department. And so I had to learn how to be a boss and I was just terrible at it all. That's a steep, Um, steep learning curve. Yes, it really is. And in those moments, every time I wasn't good, every time I would literally fall on my face being because like, I'm just not experienced. In those moments, I just had to look at my ego. And i be like, why don't I want to get back up? Why do I want to hide? And the truth was is that because my house at the time was on the line, and I very much valued myself as an amazing wife. I didn't want to let my husband down. Those two driving forces got me to pick myself up every time. So even though I was terrible, even though I had no clue what I was doing, once I realized it was the ego that was getting in the way and I could keep learning, like freaking Google it, right? It's like, if you don't know what something is, Google it. There's no excuse in this. There's literally no excuse. And once I told myself that and I just held myself accountable to be like, well, do you want to lose your house? Of course I don't want to lose my house. Well, freaking learn it because that's the choice. If you are worried about your ego, if you're worried about how good you are, then, then just be in a safe space of thinking that you're amazing, but you lose your house. Your husband thinks, you know, you've let your husband down and the company folds. So I didn't give myself the luxury in those moments to soothe my ego. I was like, okay, get back up. Okay, get back up. Okay, get back up. And because I got back up over time, it started to teach myself something. It started to teach me something. I'm not confident even now, but I understand. I'm not confident in a lot of things. That's actually a lie. I'm confident now in some things, but I'm not confident in a lot of things, but I just know now having taught myself over the last 10 years, that confidence comes from competence. I like that. Like period, right? If you're not good at something, you don't have the confidence to do it. Why? Because you're shit. Like if we can just all own like, oh yeah, I'm crap at that, but I can get good. And how do I get good? I have to build the competence enough so that once you have the competence, once you start to feel better, once you start to go, oh, I am actually under. Understanding what a hell a PL is, right? Like I had no clue. So it's like, oh, I understand that now. Okay, now I'm more confident to enter that meeting that is talking about P&Ls. So it just it becomes a stepping stone. But we all want to have the confidence from square one. But for me, over time, it was the building the confidence and the confidence in my work. So that was with Quest, but I still didn't feel confidence with who Lisa was. I was definitely hiding behind the company. I had massive health issues that really hit me hard. At the point was like Quest was at probably the most successful we'd ever been. We were announced as a billion dollar company. I was perceived as, you know, one of the the co-founders of this nutrition company, and I couldn't even eat our own product because my gut literally, I mean, wrecked. I could barely eat for over a year. I lost like 10, 15 pounds. My hair was falling out, my nails were brittle. So my health was really bad, but I was so ashamed. I was so embarrassed about anyone finding out that I was un- that I was unhealthy, um, I hid it. Now imagine I couldn't wear a bra and I couldn't stand up for more than five minutes at a time for over a year and i'm running a department so i just hid everything i pretended to everybody and that was so detrimental to my health my stress levels my mindset that it got so bad that i said all right lisa everything's in your control right every i like to say those words everything is in your control all right so everything everything's in my control why am i not getting better okay because i'm not acting in accordance to help my body heal so once i took ownership of that i started to change the way that i acted i started started to change my um, my mindset. With that mindset, it started to improve my health. With that improvement of the health and taking ownership, everything came full circle. That it always comes back to, what am I choosing? Like, what am I choosing? All these things that I keep going, how did this happen? And how did this happen? It's all been my choices. And so once I start to realize that, once I start to realize that it's the choices that is either building my confidence or letting my ego hit rock bottom, it all becomes now I turn inwards and I look at myself. So now when I go to, okay, people are wanting to hear more from me. And I I promise you, I will eventually answer your question. So people want to hear more from me and they're asking me questions and I'm like, why are they asking me? Like, I'm not confident. I'm, you know, and the, the self narrative i mean we just sold a company for a billion dollars and you know we built impact theory that you know has now over seven million in our ecosystem alone and i'm still like people want to hear from me and so i still have that mindset and i went okay lisa what, what is your mission going back to okay i really want to impact women okay well what does that actually mean you've just said content makes a difference well, now you're letting your ego get in the way of that. So I had to put my ego aside and say, get in front of the camera. But at least you have no idea what you're doing in front of the camera. Like I've never done, I've built companies. I've built studios. I've built um, content. I can do that shit. But I've never been in front of the camera. And so even in that moment, I was like, all right, I have to decide. My ego's decide. If I'm going to actually do this, my North Star is impacting people. My North Star, my North Star is not my ego. So coming back around to how am I so vulnerable? How am I so honest and social? How am I always showing up as my true self with my hair? It became a decision. It became a choice that I said, I'm putting my ego aside. People want to hear me because of my unique story. I need to lean into the fact that we are all unique. And I didn't do that for like 30 years. And so I just forced myself Lisa, allow people to either like you or hate you for who you are. Because if you try to show up as someone that you're not and people don't like you, then it really does sit with, well, I'm not working towards my goal and I'm not actually acting in accordance. So I just made a decision there and then I said, all right, this is me. I'm going to have my hair weird. I'm going to have like my big watches. I'm going to wear you know a $15 you know necklace that is from Amazon and I'm also going to freaking wear my you know very expensive Mm -hmm. Chanel necklace because I don't give a shit like I've just decided I don't care what other people think I love wearing Wonder Woman necklace I don't care how much it costs but I also love wearing a Chanel necklace and I you know and so I've just had to let go I've had to let go of other people judging because they're always going to judge and that eventually they're going to be people that want to speak out want to be authentic and If I cannot be authentic, how can I encourage other women to do the same? So Lisa, you have to lead by example, no matter how much you, so the TEDx talk that you actually said that you watched, I don't know if you know this, but that was my first ever public appearance ever on stage. I shit myself for three months, no joke. And literally, I only said yes, because I told myself again, going back to decisions, once I had told myself, I'm never going to end up a house, a housewife. And when I say housewife, it was the life I didn't want. Mm -hmm. Nothing against housewives. I think if that's the life you want, you should go after it. But I didn't want it. So I said, I'm never going to go back there. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep challenging myself, even when it feels uncomfortable. So I decided, I made a declaration to myself, Lisa, anytime you feel the fear, you have to say yes. And so someone literally came up to me and said hey, you want to do a TED talk? And I said, yes. I I just blur, I, girl, I'm not joking. I literally blurted it without even thinking. And for the next three months, I honest to God was so petrified inside. I, was, I wasn't able to sleep for three months. And my husband, who is like the most amazing you know, speaker, he's literally looking at me like, I can't, babe, it's three months away. You're getting yourself so caught. Cool. I was spending hours every night practicing and rehearsing. And I was so worried about it but I forced myself to do it. And the thing is, I actually don't think the talk went was great. I look back now and I'm like, all right, it was a stepping stone, but I don't judge myself for it because I took the plunge Mm. and like anything, life. whatever your audience is, you know, wanting to do as they're listening right now, like, what is that thing you really want to do? And just know wherever you are today is not where you will be tomorrow. It's not where you will be in six months if you keep going, but if you don't freaking get back up, if you don't step on that stage, when you have stage fright, if you don't say yes, when really you want to say no, you'll never get to that. So it has to be a decision that you have to make and then decide who do you want to be. I'm just going to keep saying it. I said it earlier. It's like, What type of person, female or whoever, do you want to be? And every day, do you live in accordance of that? Period. And I write out who Lisa wants to be. And then I go, do I do that every day? And look, some days I mess up. Some days I bite, bite at someone when I'm frustrated. I'm like, all right, that wasn't the person I wanted to be. Cool. Don't beat yourself up. Don't be yourself up. Just know tomorrow, Lisa, you can get better.
0: Do you know what's funny? In, in my page of notes in front of me in capitals, right through the middle, I've got who do you want to be?
1: <laughs> hmm, I love that. But I have to tell myself that because I let my emotions take over. That's why I do have a negative voice. I do have a, are you good enough, Lisa? I was, I actually, am, I haven't really officially announced it, but I'm in the middle of writing a book. And literally I was like, who the hell are you to write a book, Lisa? But I was like, I, I know I can't listen. I've got to keep going. Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be? And so I just said, yes, even though I have no idea how to write a book. <laughs> but, do you know,
0: just bring it back to that TEDx talk, because there might be some listeners tuning into this conversation who are thinking, this is all very Taipei. This is all very fetishizing success. And any, any minute now, they're going to rip off their shirts and start beating their it Because it's, <laughs> <laughs> cause it, cause it's very... It's, it's quite strong messaging, but actually in that TEDx talk, the thing that I really loved is you said, my destiny wasn't to be a housewife. It didn't make me happy. But what about the person who says, I'm just a housewife or I'm just a this? Like if that's what you authentically, if that's your goal, don't ever just it, be
1: it and really celebrate it because who gives a crap what anyone else thinks? Oh my God, thank you for saying that. And that's really important. My whole message at the end of the day is who do you want to be not who is Lisa who do you want to be and then how do you get it like that's the main thing so even with everything you're saying you're right like I have like weird big dreams but it's not it's not really even about that it's how to how do I show up every day when I don't believe in myself when I wake up in the morning I'm like Lisa you're not good enough you are what right do you have going on so-and-so's podcast like all of those thoughts play in my head so whatever the person's you know wanting to be if you want to be a housewife how do you own that how do you feel good about that how do you not let other people's judgments because that's another thing girl I'm noticing coming up in the entrepreneur female it was really hard because at the time it women um, entrepreneurs weren't really a thing. So it was, you know, I was fighting against the grain. When I finally decided I didn't want children, I had to fight against the grain as well. I had people saying that I was selfish because I didn't want children. I mean, I had so much backlash. And now the stories over the last five years, I've noticed the tables are starting to turn. Women are now starting to go, oh, my God, thank you for speaking up. I don't want kids either. Oh, my God, thank you for speaking up. But what I'm also noticing is now it seems like women are starting to pass judgment on the women that want to stay home. And I'm like, what are we doing? Like, legitimately, what the hell are we doing? As women, we, in my belief, freaking stand up and say, girl, whatever you want, I got your back. You want to be an entrepreneur. You don't want kids. You want to be the next freaking Sarah Blakely. F yes, go do it. And I support you. Oh, you want to be a stay at home wife and you want to love on those children and be there for them every step of the way, because your passion and drive is to bring up incredible humans." hell yeah girl. I've got your back and don't you dare listen to any other female that says oh you're just a housewife oh you're just a mother no 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 and that is my mission that is the thing that and so when I show up with ferocity it is for that mission it isn't ferocity to impact people on a global scale and I hear people in fact say that like what do you suggest how do women create impact and I'm like well first of all I need to say is impact your goal. Like, why have we made it that, oh, impact not your goal, then all of a sudden that your goal or dream isn't as important. It's like, screw that. I don't think impact should be everybody's goal. Like, I really don't. And so I don't even want to pressure people into that, which is why I go back to, what is the dream you have? Are you living it? Because most people, most people end up in the purgatory of the mundane, where they are living a life where they're like, how did I get here? But nothing's bad. I haven't lost my house. I haven't maybe even lost my job. And so I can't complain. Sure, I'm I'm a, you know, bank clerk, nothing against bank clerks, but like, sure, I'm a bank clerk, but I wanted to be an actor. Well, I'm in my mid thirties. There's no way I can do that now fuck, yes, you can. Like, I, that's like, and I know I'm screaming a hot girl, but like, that's how I feel inside. That's how I feel inside. And so everything I'm saying, like, I'm thank you for again, for bringing up the just mother thing, because my mission in life is to push women to say what, not even women, but people, what's the dream? What do you want in life? What's going to make you happy? And how do you get there?
0: You know, I had a really interesting guy on the podcast last year called John McAvoy. So his story is that he's now a Nike sponsored, I don't know if you know him, but he's now a Nike sponsored Iron Man. But he was in Her Majesty's uh, prison serving two life sentences and he has changed his life for bank robbery, armed robbery. He has turned his life around and he said something on the podcast that really resonated with me. He said, people don't know if they don't see it. So, and when you talk about 14 year old girls, 10 to 14 year old girls, if they don't see the example of somebody who's doing what you're doing, or they don't see the example of somebody who is radically confident. And I love that expression that you've used before. um, Yeah. Radical confidence. Um, If you don't see women representing the confidence in what their choices are, when you're at that age, then how are you supposed to tap into it? If you can't see it, how can you be it? And I think it's incredible that you put these conversations out there in order to whatever that person's path is, whatever they want so that they can lean into it. Because the sense I got from your story is that on some level, even though you had this framework and the, again, another brilliant thing from the Ted talk is being told on your wedding day by your lovely grandfather to obey your husband. Like that's to have a happy life. It's, it felt very much as though just innately within you, there was something that was just tapping at you constantly, maybe quietly and it was getting louder saying, Mm -hmm. there is more Lisa. There's more, there's more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. But here's what I think if quest hadn't come along, this is the truth. And I wasn't thrown into the growth and, oh my God, I'm losing my house and stuff. Would I still, would I have had kids? Would I have just slipped into that? And that's, that scares me, girl. That really scares me that I may not have had the wake up call. And that kind of becomes my mission. And when I think about confidence, and everyone's like, well, I don't have the confidence to do that. That's why I love radical confidence. Because it's like, hey, hey, you don't need the confidence. You just need radical confidence. Well, what was radical confidence? It's me not having having the confidence but doing it anyway. That's freaking radical confidence. So if you know, if you see me on my videos and certain things you're like, "Oh my gosh, you're so confident." You have no idea how much I'm shitting myself inside. Like that inside that 14-year-old Lisa is not confident at all, but I'm still doing it. And that's where I think we stop. That's where we don't keep pushing. And so what would have happened to me? Like, honestly, if quests had not happened, so that's why I'm, it's very important to me to have this mission to speak up to really, you know, encourage women to say, hey, you need to think about where you are in life. Hey, you need to think about what that dream was, you need to think about what beliefs you have, and why you have them. I Growing up Greek Orthodox, I never questioned God, ever, ever. Until I was on a date with my husband. And it was like our second or third date. And he's very curious. And so he was just like, oh, oh, so why do you believe in God? And you want to know my answer? Because my dad told me. I was like, (laughs) I was like, "Uh, because my dad told me. And that's where I was like, oh, that's a terrible answer. Why do I believe in it? And so now that's actually one thing I pose to your audience. Like write down, what is the dream you have? What is holding you back and what beliefs do you have? And are the beliefs malleable? Are the beliefs told to you? Is that something that you've chosen to develop? Um, And so I had to do that. I had to go through what are all the beliefs that I have of what's, what's possible and what's not possible. Like even having kids, I never even considered not having them. Like it didn't even dawn on me that I could choose not to have children. And I know that may sound ridiculous, but it didn't. And so kind of like, that's really what I want to encourage your audience to really think about, right? It's like, what is that thing that you want in life? Um, What are you told? And are they the same? Because that's the thing. It's like sometimes your belief system holds you back from trying something new that actually then leads you to your dream. But you don't know that you've got a belief system until you start questioning it. Well, it's true, isn't it? You talk about the
0: purgatory of the mundane, but for a lot of listeners or for a lot of people, they may be thinking better the devil, you know, like I've, I've mm. got it quite good. So why would I take a risk? Cause I could potentially lose everything. But I guess what you're saying is actually it's, it's those risks and those potential failures that not only get you on a path that's probably going to feel a lot more satisfying but also probably gets you closer to answering that question who do I want to be if if you're kind of moving outside of a framework and you're it's like going to a country for the first time isn't it and realizing that people Mm -hmm. eat at different times and wear different types of clothes and you think I didn't understand this this is crazy I didn't know you could live like this (laughs) right yeah like the Greeks eat dinner at 10 p.m like what on earth
1: It's so true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Understanding that things can be completely different. And I guess as well, one thing I wanted to ask you, because again, I've talked about ripping off our shirts and beating our chest. You have talked about the 57,000% growth with the company. Like, uh, was it naught to 1 billion in five years? And so there is kind of this um, trend to fetishize success. And I Mm -hmm. guess you get put on a pedestal a lot and you've already touched on it and people think, well, you must have all the answers because you have had this incredible success that is the kind of thing that would be on the cover of a business magazine and that people write about all the time but you how how do you accept the success do you su- accept the
1: excess the success that's interesting um so here's a couple of things so I had mentioned about my health. That was at the, the peak of our success. So uh, financial success with that company. So imagine Tom and I struggling. We're trying to build quest every day. It's like you're facing inadequacies. You really feel shit about yourself sometimes. Sometimes, you know, you've been in the hairnet um, and sweats on, you know, Easter Sunday. And you're like, what the hell am I doing? doing like is this actually going to work why am I doing this so we would drive around Beverly Hills like okay what like, let's pick out a house right and it's like we were in our shit you know like it was a really old Ford Focus that had a hole in the exhaust but we couldn't afford to fix it and so if you went over like 50 or 60 miles an hour it was one of those cars that started so we're literally driving around Beverly Hills trying not to make our car like janky make the janky sound and we would look at these houses and we would you know somewhat jokingly argue about he wanted the Cape Cod house I'd wanted the Mediterranean house and that was our day not daily but that would be the thing that me and him would just have fun with we would drive around it would keep us motivated so we would drive around imagine we've had these discussions and I was like when we succeed what does success mean to you and I'm such a visual person that I was like all right babe success is um me being in a Beverly Hills mansion by a waterfall in a bikini as I'm doing I'm a massive hip-hop fan so I'm like I I want to do one of those hip-hop videos, music videos in my head. I'm obviously not like have other people film it, but like me and Tom, I want to stand by the waterfall and I want to pour Dom Perignon down. I want to like gulp it and pour it down my body by a waterfall. And he's like, all right, I love the visual. visual." <laughs> so it, you know, everything works out. Um, Quest becomes very successful. We buy the house. It's in Beverly Hills. We have the waterfall. I get the Dom Perignon. Like you can imagine it's like, oh my God, it's actually worked. I take the gulp of champagne and within like five minutes, my gut literally felt like it exploded. Like that's the only way I can explain it. Now, it's a whole long story of how I got there, antibiotics, very unhealthy eating, malnutrition, you know a lot of things of how I got there, but I did. And so in that moment, think about it, my literally dream has come true and I can't stand up. I couldn't eat for like over a year. And so I, I was dizzy. So you can imagine, I'm thinking, well, success isn't what you think, right? Everyone everyone says it. Money isn't what you think. It's like, no, no, no. And everyone's like, that's such bullshit. You really do think, no, 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 it's bullshit. Once I get the money, it's going to make, you know, I, I will feel better about myself. Well, you don't. Like, it's It's so true. Like, what Kate was it Kate Spade that committed, committed suicide? It's, it's like, why do we think that money really does make a difference and here's the thing it does I'm not going to b- BS Monica like I was dreaming about my Louboutin shoes I was dreaming about my Chanel necklace right those are the things that kept me going when I felt shitty and I was in a hairnet and I was you know had to have focus but and I totally lost your the question I was like so into the the analogy that the accepting success and thank really you being yes able to lean into it thank you sweet, appreciate it um and so that ended up like oh Okay, well, that was a great slap in the face. So if health isn't it, because think about it, I could barely, so I could barely stand up. Intimacy with my husband was almost impossible. Um, Being happy going to birthday parties. I I, I couldn't wear a bra and I could barely stand up. So I wasn't socializing. So now in these moments where you think the success, you think the money, you think all of this is going to make you feel better. But how was I when I felt when I was by myself? I felt worse. I felt, oh my God, you're a loser, Lisa. You can't speak up about your health. So when I go to bed at night, what is that voice in your head saying? And now that's the thing that I use as a barometer. I don't use money. I don't use how many views have I had. I use the voice in my head that when I go to bed and I say, how do you feel about yourself? are you proud of yourself? And now I can say yes. But back then, I I didn't even think about that. And so even when it comes to success, guys, it's like, really think about what does success look like for you? Again, I don't want to bullshit. It's amazing not having to worry about bills. But there's also an incredible amount of other problems that come with it. Like with my health, I was, I worked so hard. I was working so many crazy hours, I never put my health first, that I ended up getting myself in that situation. So now in hindsight, does success outbeat my health? Hell no. Hell no. And so I don't know if there's anything that I can really say that allows people to really believe it. But the one thing that I would say now is maybe change your barometer to be like, how do I feel about myself when I go to bed at night and the lights are off?
0: Does it, does it, revolve around how you are treated by the world and how you treat the world is it is always it keeping your side of the street clean when the lights go off and you ask yourself Mm. that question is it? I was the best version of myself in that situation today and boy was I challenged then but I brought the appropriate version of me to that situation and so I'm cool
1: um it's not as normally as nice as that in my head i'm usually like i can't believe you did this lisa you're such an idiot why did you say that and in those moments as i'm like okay yep i recognize the pattern you're beating yourself up lisa remember you're you're the person that improves you're not the person that's going to get it you know the first time so okay reframe what did i say what could i have said better next time what's the actual the actual words like what are the actual phrases I should have said that I wish now in hand, hindsight? Okay. Remember those so that next time when something like this happens, these are the words you're going to use. So that when the next time thing happens and I'm like, God damn, I didn't do it. I start beating myself up again. And I go through the process again. It's like, okay, you're beating yourself up. This doesn't serve you. What do I know about myself? I'm the learner. Lisa, you can get better. And in that Flip of the mindset in that, you know, those moments when you're going to bed at night, that's when the voice is sometimes that, that's how I get to sleep. I literally take my negative voice, take all the things that I'm telling myself, I'm an idiot, I'm stupid, I can't believe that I still have very much. So today it's a megaphone in my head, but I now don't judge it. I don't feel badly about it. I almost say, ah, all right, here's a challenge. You're telling yourself that you're useless, Lisa. We know what to do, right? And then I play a game and I speak to myself and I'm like, okay, bestie, right? I sometimes try to call my negative voice my bestie because I'm like, all right, bestie, what are you trying to tell me? Because sometimes a negative voice can be warning you of something. Hey, dumbass, what did you do, right? And even in that, I'm like, all right, I'm calling yourself a dumbass, but what is the negative voice saying? You didn't handle this well. All right, actually, maybe it's got a point. And if I'm just trying to shut the negative voice down, now I'm just doing it because ego, I'm not doing it because I actually wanna get better. So pay attention. What's the bestie saying? You should be able to trust your best friend to tell you the hard things, even when it's not good to hear. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of how I end up playing through my mindset, going back to success. It's like, I don't know if anyone will actually really believe it until you're there Mm -hmm. but the truth is is if you're not sure close your eyes ask yourself how do you feel every day and are you working towards being that person going back to the quote that I love is are you actually working towards that you don't even have to be that I don't know if I'll ever actually be that woman that's the truth and actually I don't know if I ever want to because then what do I try like I love the pursuit of growth I don't love being great I love the pursuit of being great and the reason why I say that to myself is because when I fall on the floor I don't have I don't know if I have the confidence to get back up so I just reframe how I fall and what I think about myself when I fall so that I keep going um so that if I'm 80 if I'm nine or you know when I shouldn't say if when I'm 80 when I'm 90 I've still got a driving force to keep going. And I'm not thinking about, well, what's next? And you, you know, mentioned it earlier. I think a lot of people look back and say, well, this was like the best time of my life or well, this is, you know, what I want to do. And, you know, well, I'm just kind of doing this now. It's like, no, no, to me, age literally doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is you've told yourself that age matters. That's the only thing that matters. And my mom, in her 70s, who's had a very unhealthy um, relationship with food, when I was growing up, she was borderline anorexic. Then she went to clinically obese. And so she really fluctuated. And in her 70s, she started watching Mindset content. She started watching mine and my husband's content. And she retired. She lost 140 pounds and went from being, in her 70s, went from being, I'm the woman, I just can't do it. Diets don't work for me. In her 70s. To being like, well, what's a little, like, you know, she it would rain and she'd still go out and walk, do her steps. And she's like, well, what's a little bit of rain? The same woman in her seventies. What changed? Her mind. That is it. Like, it wasn't like she was getting stronger as she got older, right? In fact, she was getting weaker. It wasn't that she got more skills to walk faster, right? Nothing changed except her mindset. She told herself one day she couldn't, diets weren't for her. You know, she, this was just a struggle she always had. And the very next day, she just didn't accept the excuse anymore.
0: You know, it's funny what you're saying in this story, because actually it's, it's making me think about the role of failure. And I've talked about failure a lot on this podcast and how for me personally, in my own life, I've had to reframe failure as stepping stones to success because without failure, you don't grow. Like yeah. it's like the tears in the muscle when you work out, like failure is the stuff that will allow you to get stronger muscles. And I th- I, it's, it really strikes me that actually that failure is, is such an important part of the journey. And also the journey is also a really important word because it's not about a destination and it's about maybe screwing up a lot along the way. And sometimes kind of, I don't know about you, I used to try to create a, an echo chamber where if I screwed up, I would say to my friends, this happened and I'm right, aren't I? And I would change the story a little bit so that mm. they would reflect to me that I had, I had done nothing wrong here. And I think one of the biggest things I was able to do in my own life is put my hands up when I screwed up and also mm. say sorry when I screwed up. One thousand percent. I love that so much. It's so important. And I think, but it's a really hard thing to do, but it sounds as though that's a crucial thing that you do when you're talking about that voice at night, that voice at night, even though it might be your bestie, it might be your negative voice. Sometimes it's telling you these, these might have been your failures today. And, but this is how you're going to improve because you've seen them and you're not trying (laughs) to ignore them or you're not trying to validate them and say, well, there's a reason you were like this, Lisa,
1: you're owning them. Yeah, um, I still catch myself though. Sometimes I absolutely catch myself. And like, ah, you were just trying to pull the wood over your own eyes, <laughs> right? It's like, you know, and I even joke about it so that I don't feel badly about myself. And that's why I always say, things with such energy and lightheartedness because i've been there i've been there where the mind is so freaking powerful it's held right i mean you know i was in a place for eight years i wasn't doing what i loved it wasn't making me feel good i my value and my self-esteem was purely um, external i was waiting for my husband to come home every night and praise me for how clean the house was and i was waiting you know for my mom to get excited about what a great wife i'd become and you know i was really waiting for other people to give me the validation um and then going back to you know what you're saying is the truth is is like failure does suck like it really really sucks so i understand why people give excuses and that was another frame um, mind shift that i was like oh don't don't make yourself feel bad for doing that. Like actually just explain to, you know, repeat and you said, okay, Lisa, you're doing this because you know you're trying to protect yourself. It's okay. Like giving yourself the grace to be like, oh, I just gave an excuse. Okay, give myself the grace of why I gave an excuse, but make the shift. And that's um, super important. I think when it comes to failure and then I just, I would do repeat mantras to myself. So for instance, the, what, one of the best things that I freaking love is Edison. You know, the, the story goes that someone went up to Edison is like, Oh my God, how did you say, you know, how did you keep going after you had 10,000 failures in order to get to the light bulb? And he turns around and he's like, there weren't 10,000 failures. There were 10,000 lessons. So now the way that I like to frame it is if I'm going to try something, anything new, let's say your listeners, they want to play an instrument or something. It's like, okay, how many lessons do I think I need to get as good as I want to be? Right. And you go, okay, maybe it's going to take me 10,000 lessons, right? Let's just say that. Okay. If it's going to take me 10,000 lessons, how much, how quickly do I want to get good at it? Because I can do All day, every day, if you think of one lesson B as an hour, I can do all day, every day, give up the rest of my life, and now I can become the best, you know, pianist or whatever in the world. But that's all decisions. That's all saying, hey, I'd rather do this than this. I've committed to not doing this and spending my time over here. And reminding yourself that it is possible. Like, it actually is possible. And then, because you've told yourself how many lessons it's going to take, when you're on lesson 27, when you're on lesson you know, um, 2,362 and you're still terrible at playing the piano, how do you keep going? You go, all right, I've still got 7,000 and I can't do the math quick enough. (laughs) Um, But right, but now you just go, cool. But when you get to the 5,000 mark, then you can cheer and go, I'm halfway. But if you don't tell yourself that you've given yourself the grace to have these lessons, to fall on the floor, to pick yourself up, when it gets to that 5,000th, you know, failure, if you want to call it that, or lesson, you go, sorry, so if you get to the 5,000 and you haven't given yourself the grace to do it, you'll be like, well, I'm terrible. Well, what the hell? Why am I wasting all my time? Let's just move on. But if you've given yourself the grace, then you can celebrate, I'm halfway there.
0: Mm.
1: It's a shift in perspective. You've talked about um, uh, self-rejection
0: as well. Is self-rejection when you basically stop paying attention to what you want and you let everything else and everyone else validate Um, you, make your decisions for you.
1: I think a mix of a lot of things, I think it is that, but to me, it's also, um, you know, self, like I can't do this. Well, hang on. I've just rejected myself. Why can't I do it? I can learn. Right. It's so it's like you're rejecting yourself before you've actually even tried to do something or it's like, well, Lisa, you can't wear big you know, chunky watches because people are going to make fun of you, you know? And it's so, again, I've just self-rejected. I've told myself that it's not good enough for me. So now why on earth would I expect somebody else to accept me? And so in that process, I've said, okay, you want to wear a big watch. Fucking wear the bloody big watch. And if someone says, oh, I can't follow you or I don't like you or your message isn't going to impact me because of the big watch – Um, I have to be okay with that. And that was actually a decision that I made again. So um, on one of my episodes, I love wearing um, leggings. I've actually got my leggings on right now, but I've got black leggings on. (laughs) Um, I, I love wearing leggings. So, you know, 80s, 90s style. So I had an episode of my show, Women of Impact, where I wore pink leggings. Now I sat there and I said, okay, the reason why I do my show is to impact people. So to really get people to change their lives. And so one person in the comment of that video, after it got released, they said, Hey, Lisa, um, thank you for this content, but I just, I can't watch you anymore. Your pink leggings and your, you know, eighties, nineties set just is too like, like, uh, I, I can't remember what word they used, but it wasn't very nice. It was like, it's just too much. And I just can't watch you anymore. So in that moment I went, Oh shit, I'm going against my, my goal, right? My goal is to impact women. And now what I've done is I've just put her off because of my st- my style. So I was like, all right, well I have to really consider: do I change my style? Because if my goal is the most important thing, then I can be very honest and say I'm going against my goal. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, for the business wearing my pink le- for my goal wearing my pink leggings isn't aligned. But what's even more important than that? Being authentically me. Why? Because that's what I trying to get other women to do. So you even said it earlier, right? Like be the example. It's if I'm changing my pink leggings because I so worry about how other people perceive me, how on earth can I show up tomorrow and do a video about accepting yourself? And I just had to be that honest. And I said, "Okay. So actually impacting women isn't my primary goal when it came into conflict, right? My primary thing is actually impact yourself, Lisa. Be authentically yourself, Lisa, and then do, you know, impact other women. But if I can't um, show up as myself, then I'm always going to try and be I'm going to be someone I'm not so in that very moment as I literally peeled away the onion and just looked at both sides without getting emotional because I think as women especially that's what we do oh my god I can't believe she made fun of my pink leggings like oh what do you mean this fucking woman has no idea what she's talking about this set is amazing right I could have done all of that but none of that would have served me it only would have made my defenses back up about being criticized and I actually sometimes think you should take criticism and go is there any validate in fact you should always take criticism and see is there any validation in here but because if there is now, maybe I can get better at it and I can use this as a tool. So I just looked at the situation very honestly with no emotion and just said, okay, this is that moment that you were challenged. And I'm so proud that I still show up as myself. So whatever your audience wants, and it's a stepping stone. It literally was, I'm too embarrassed to wear shorts and knee high boots out in public. Yeah. And then it's like, just freaking wear shorts and knee-high boots. Like, go out and do it. It's a stepping stone, right? And it's like, once you do that, going back to confidence, right? How do you get confident? Get competent. How do you get competent? It's one step at a time. Go out, wear the, wear the shoes, wear the shorts. Did anyone say anything? How did you feel? Did you feel kind of badass? Mm. And lean into that. And so that's how that almost ended up with me being very simple, blonde, just trying to, and again, nothing wrong with blondes, but I was just trying to fit in to being the chick that has braids. that says the word homie that has a watch bigger than her wrist. You know, it's like, that's how I ended up here, but it wasn't overnight. It was consistently in my head. And even now I definitely still say that like, okay, you may get hate for wearing this. You may get hate for this. I prepare myself but I don't let it dictate. Mm, I love that. I know your time is very
0: precious. I know that we're drawing to the end of our time together, but I do want to ask you one more thing. And you have, as you've already talked about, you've got uh, impact theory, women of impact, you have so many incredible conversations. And one of the things I get asked a lot is, who was your favorite podcast guest, or who's the favorite person you've interviewed? And actually, what I would like to ask you, I know that with every conversation you have, and I know that there's no mistakes in the content that you create and it's very well thought out and you get people on for specific reasons. But I wonder in and among all of those things, whether you ever had, have, have had a conversation with somebody and you've realized that actually, perhaps it's had a bigger impact on you than, than you were anticipating.
1: Um, so first of all, I'd like to correct you. I've had many mistakes. <laughs> so many mistakes in my videos. You have no idea. One of my top performing videos actually ends abruptly. And right literally it's got um, it's like one of my top three videos. It ends abruptly after like the 30 minute mark. And then I come on camera and I stare straight at camera and I'm like, all right, guys, I'm just gonna freaking own it. My we messed up, we couldn't like our sounds cut out. And I was literally gonna go on and make an excuse. I was gonna be like, like almost try and hide the error. And I was like, why am I hiding it? So I went on camera and I was like, I was about to hide the error. I was going to try and end on in like a beautiful end card with music. You guys never would have realized. But I'm here today to tell you that even though I've produced, um, you know, at that point, 300 hour long episodes of video content, I still make mistakes. So I'm here to show you that there are still mistakes and there are still many mistakes and I'll still keep making mistakes. And I do that so I don't feel badly about myself. So the next time I make a mistake that I don't beat myself up over it. So I just wanted to correct the fact that I I want people to know I constantly make mistakes. And as much as I want to be perfect to everything, I know that I'm not. Mm -hmm. So Sorry, just wanted to say that. (laughs) And then remind me what the question was. Oh, the guests. Yeah. So is there anything that by
0: having a conversation with the intention of impacting that 14 year old girl or that Mm. woman,
1: that actually you realize that maybe you were the one who needed to hear that message that day? Yeah, 1000%. And that was actually when I started my show Women of Impact, it was always who do people want to hear from? And over the last year and a half since COVID, um, I was doing Zoom interviews and I way prefer them in person. I'm such a hugger. I'm such a like, oh, come here, you know, that I really want to do like interviews in person. And I as I started to do more and more Zoom interviews, I just asked myself, do I is it still filling me up? Because it, I started to not get excited anymore. And so I just went, all right, well, what is the goal? It is, I cannot go back to I cannot create impact if I don't show up, if I'm not excited, if I'm not learning, if this guest hasn't impacted me, how the hell can I expect them to impact my audience? That makes me feel forced. When I'm like, hey, check out this guest, but I don't really freaking like them. Where like that's just it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. So I just go, okay, um, since like again, since COVID, who do I want to be in front of? Who do I want to interview? What is it about this person that I'm in? And so every single interview now, I'm like, I need to have learned something for them. So it's not even just one big guest that like blew my mind. It's one guest that said something on the side that just stuck with me. And also it's me being very deliberate in making notes, taking things that resonate with me and then implementing that in my life. So even with everything that I'm saying, it's like there are going to be some of your audience that I don't resonate with. There are going to be some in my um, of your audience that are like, "Oh my god, Lisa, what you just said? It it literally hit me like a ton of bricks." And that same thing that I've other people here be like, "Ah, eh, did she say that? I don't know, right?" It's like. Like, there, there are going to be way that people perceive those. So I can't control how other people are going to perceive my interviews because I want to be talking to different women. Like I want to be talking to a sex expert. I want to be talking to a hormone expert. I want to be talking to a psychotherapist. I want to be talking to a secret service agent about serial killers. Like I just freaking want to be talking about that sort of stuff. So I'm just like, I'm not going to ask, well, what type of show do I do? Like I stopped doing that. I'm like, if there's something empowering in this woman's story, I, you know, I really don't care. It's not that I don't care. That's not true. I do want people to get impacted, but not in spite of me not being impacted mm. because I cannot show up with energy and excitement. And I've had some behind. I'm not sure if this is public knowledge or not, but there's someone that's very, very famous that just signed on for another year of doing their show. And they've been miserable I know this for a fact. They've been miserable. Shit, and that's my alarm. (laughs) They've been miserable for two or three years, but they signed on another year for the show because of their audience, because they want to keep being relevant. And I'm like, wow, that's just a trap I don't ever want to be in. Okay, I understand how people get in that trap. I understand that ego is a very powerful thing that everyone loves to be told. Oh my God, you're amazing! I love your show. So, how do I make sure that I don't let my ego take away? How do I make sure that I still am on a mission and that I don't just keep doing it for the sake of other people? So I think about that constantly, and that's how I then shifted my thing of I just want to interview women that really interest me, and how do I then part like, show the impact to my audience so that they can hear the message too. Um, but yeah, so that's,
0: you know, one of the uh, people I had on the show last year and she came back on this year, it had the biggest impact on me without a shadow of a doubt is our mutual friend, Evie Pompouris. Oh my My girl, Evie. What an incredible woman. And you both have a very similar uh, message that comes out, obviously from two very different areas of expertise and life experience, but you both essentially say, be the hero in your own life become feed the hero for you show up for you and so it's been an absolute pleasure to have you show up for me and to show up for my listeners today because it's been such a joy to speak to you
1: go it's been such a joy I know that I've spoken a lot and um but I would love to just like catch up and hang out and hear more about you um and what you're doing and yeah thank you so much for having me on It's been an absolute joy. Thank you. Listeners, the
0: links to Lisa, Women of Impact, Impact Theory, Quest, everything that we've discussed will be in the show notes. But um, please come back soon. (laughs) Oh, you got it, girl. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found that conversation with Lisa interesting. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. If you'd like to DM me, perhaps a little something a little bit more casual, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns, Or if you fancy it, you can click the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and click the link to join the Facebook forum. There are thousands of your fellow most excellent listeners in there. And I know I would like to see you and have a chat with you in there. So don't be shy. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you on the next one.